Welcome to the weekly High with LSD podcast, the Leslie and Subu dialogue covering the most happening technology news that affect India. And now, please welcome your host, Leslie and Subu. Hello, friends, uh, uh, and welcome once again to the weekly High with LSD show. Uh, this week, we have with us uh, Kumar Bagrodia. He is the founder of Neuroleap. an applied a neuroscience uh, company that uses brain computer interface technology to understand the brain uh, human brain better and recommend ways to enhance its abilities now kumar underscores the fact that neuroleap has been developed in collaboration with uh, companies that are backed by nasa by darpa darpa is the defense advanced research projects agency uh, the it is part of the us uh, department of defense the nih which is the national institutes of uh, health Uh, and the us army now some parts of uh, neuroleap's uh, technologies according to kumar have also been registered with the us fda of course by now uh, you may already be asking yourself ki what exactly is a brain computer inter- interface uh, what does it uh, mean to you when uh, you know people tinker with your brain uh what is the cost how do you adjust the efficacy of the program what are the limitations of the program and if somebody takes data from your brain how do you exactly deal with it yes we will come to these questions in a, a short while but as in the format of this uh, particular show we will first discuss the week's uh, big developments uh, the tech developments now the first one of course is that the government has laid down rules for social media and ott platforms so basically it has brought uh, all the, the digital media Uh, news platforms and the ott platforms the social media apps like whatsapp uh, instagram twitter etc under the purview of the it act so what does it mean uh, because uh, uh, union uh, uh, ravi shankar prasad uh, he essentially warned about you know the double standards uh, of social media Uh, that they follow the world over like in europe they have a different standard here they have a different standard so he said that these double standards will not be acceptable so therefore the government said that they will implement the digital media ethics code uh, relating to digital media and ott platform now that's obviously the overarching kind of stuff these uh, social media apps the companies basically have 3 months of uh, wiggle room so there could be some tweaks uh, if they talk to the government or uh, whatever we'll see how it is uh, but essentially uh, let me ask you kumar as a user because uh, subu and me we have discussed this uh, uh, earlier also i mean we knew that this was coming and even last uh, week uh, on the episode uh, we had uh, uh, ns napanai who is a cyber law expert and a supreme court lawyer so she uh, had uh, already forewarned us that this was in the works uh, we have discussed this at uh, this issue at length you as a user how do you react to this kind of a news i think uh, you know leslie first of all you know thank you for having me on this show uh, hi subu um i think as a user it's a welcome move you know think of it you know um, as parents or you know even uh, young adults you would want to know what movie you're going to see yeah is it is it adult rated ua for kids or when you switch on the television you want to be able to see what programs are meant for children for what audience for what level and all of that is regulated so i don't see any reason why any other medium which is putting content out there for the average consumer 
should not have some level of regulation, whether it is self-regulated or government-regulated, that's a separate thing. But that regulation needs to be there so that we can choose and see, you know, what is safe for our kids, what is not. And, you know, we know better when we are, you know, switching on our OTT. Today, it's not on the mobile phone alone. It's on your large television as well. You know, your Netflix or Amazon Prime Video, Hotstar, what have you, everything's connected. So it is just a different medium which needs to be regulated. So I'm, I'm all for it, right? Fair enough. Uh, just two perspectives here. I mean, I know Subhu is itching to talk about this because he, he loves this subject very well. So uh, the way, uh, I mean, uh, absolutely, I, I, I don't think there's any disagreement on the fact that even when the government said that it want to, wants to uh, stop mischief on the internet. So I don't think there should be two rules. And the whole question, I think even Subhan maybe have discussed earlier also, that double standards really should not be acceptable. If uh, social media apps and uh, internet companies are following uh, the law of the land in uh, the European Union, uh, there's no reason why they can't do uh, similarly if it does not violate other provisions of the constitution. Now here, basically, the, this is the way I see it. I'm not saying uh, again that I'm right or something, but I, I see these guys have been actually uh, caught in a cash 22 situation. Uh, for instance, if they break the encryption, which will be because if they have to trace the origin of uh, the, the message, they will have to break the encryption rules. Breaking the encryption rules could also uh, invite two types of problems. One, of course, the privacy violation which uh, is enshrined in the constitution of India. And second is the security of uh, issue because there could be a lot of backdoor if they break strong encryption. But this is not new because I think even Apple and FBI also in the US had a, a similar case, I think some uh, five or six years back. If <coughs> yep. So, uh, so what are your thoughts? So here are my thoughts. One is that uh, I'm delighted that uh, the Honorable Minister is, you know, calling out the double standards of the social media platforms. Question is, who's going to call out the double standards of the Honorable Minister himself? Because you are now telling the social media companies that you have to have similar kind of rules that you are implementing in Europe. Great. And I, I think that's a great thing to do. But you are asking them to do that to achieve an objective which is diametrically opposite to what Europe wants to achieve. Europe wants you to you know, implement all these rules so that there is more freedom. You want them to implement all those rules so that there is less freedom. Today, all that the government is saying, why is the government doing all that? See, mischief you know, uh, people spreading rumors, you know, people creating law and order situations. That is a reality. Okay. But what is also a reality is that using these rules, what is to stop the government from looking into every single citizen's message? Using this as a medium, now a legal medium. Now this has been made, This these law, the, the rules that have been amended have been created uh, called extended legislation okay which means it's a law from day before yesterday it became law now if you remember the two girls who were arrested in uh, maharashtra few months uh, single case yeah. right all that they did was they posted something about a certain politician 
and under 66A, they were told that no, it is seditious and you are going to jail. Supreme Court struck it down and Supreme Court, for, you know, uh, in its great wisdom, struck down the entire 66A itself, calling it ultra-virus a constitution. Now, the, here the issue is that you have made a law, okay, and you are now saying that I've got the legislative fiat to now start looking into every citizen's social behavior. To me, that's problematic. The second thing that is problematic to me is that, see, WhatsApp's contention that, uh, you know, we'll have to break encryption is not tenable at all. The government is not telling them that we need to know what is in that message. Because we know what is in that message. You know, the origin. Yeah. Although the government is saying that you, you have to give me the originator. Oh, determining the originator, they don't have to break the encryption code at all. So if WhatsApp is saying that they're going to have to break the encryption, that is bullshit. They don't have to do, do that at all. But the issue is that by clubbing, so you have done two things. You have clubbed news media and the platform. Okay, first fundamental problem. Second problem is you have clubbed OTT with news media. So they are two different things. This is only for intermediaries. This is not for original content creators. So tomorrow, arguably, if Amazon comes up with an OTT show, which itself produces, then they are out of purview of this act, of this law. Because it, this does not pertain to people who are originally creating content. On the other hand, if Amazon allows its platform to be used by some other producer, then Amazon in that case becomes an intermediary. So there are lots of legal issues. I think there is going to be a lot of legal challenges legal that are going to happen. I think there is going to be a, a tremendous amount of litigation that we're going to see out of this. Right? But broadly, are the rules good for society? Yes, they are. Question is, you know, what happens if the fence start eating the crops? If the policemen Start looking into every single social media message that I see and flags it, then every time I have to go to the courts, these guys have said, no, no, we have our own regulatory mechanism. But your regulatory mechanism comprises people of yourself. Correct. You are not giving me an independent regulatory mechanism. Right? So it is the government. So then I, I remember there used to be a great, lovely saying when we were children, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Great intentions. Okay, wonderful intentions, but are they, you know, the, the, are the steps that they're taking, are they tenable legally? There are going to be challenge, question marks there, challenges there. Are they going to be tenable from a citizen's freedom perspective? I'm not very sure. I'm not very sure. Yeah, I think it's extremely important really to have these pulls and pressures because you cannot take things lying down also. But I think uh, here in India, especially, we need to question uh, things. I mean, uh, ostensibly, these moves are always good. I mean, I, I said there's the right intention, but the point is the way you implement it, the way you have shot it. And past experience has not given us the comfort level that these things will really be uh, implemented with the kind of smoothness that we expected or, you know, without any... Uh, kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, overbearing or overarching, you know, overbearing kind of stuff from the government. 
but uh, yeah, but the government has already demonstrated in the last few years the government has already demonstrated so its intent to be overbearing yeah so i think that's that's the uh, catch catch 22 situation but i guess we'll have to deal with it but uh, anyway we deal with the text uh, the news developments so currently we are not really uh, commenting on <laughs> it and we'll yeah, we see how it goes yeah we'll just see how it goes we'll give the government a fair chance because there are many good things that the government has done uh, creating a good ecosystem creating a good payments ecosystem of course i know that rbi has announced that they will create another digital payment system which is going to like a sort of uh, i think compete with the uh, uh, upi i do not know why on earth that's happening reliance reliance has announced it yeah okay sbi had announced and the rbi said you can't do it now the i think the tatas and a few others are taking over the sbi payment system which is go, going to com- compete with the upi uh, currently that is out there so you're going to have and which is a good thing you know because to me the more number of players come competition increases efficiency increases consumer benefits right so to me that's a, that's a great development the only question therefore is that you know how are they going to be you know stacked up are you going to put artificial barriers like they put in whatsapp pay that you know you can't have more than 20 million now who's coming this figure of 20 million why not 30 million why not 100 million right yeah. so i think but but having said that there are smart people in the government exactly. i think this move of allowing multiple players for upi is a great idea okay with the way the payment uh, the digital payment system is exploding in india it's a, it's a great system, a great uh, thought question is that when you start growing when the critical mass numbers are reached then what happens that is the only question i have and you know interestingly i mean on this uh, whole whatsapp debate the whole ott debate i think business standard reported that the government itself is trying to introduce two apps uh, uh, samvad and uh, i i i i forget the names i had uh, those names uh, so but uh, sandesh and samvad and ah, this okay. sandesh according to that report is being developed by nic uh, it is allowing encrypted messages group chats and access to government uh, teams and instead of emojis they will have what are known as gimojis <laughs> not namojis <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> i i i can see kumar smiling over there uh, so uh, kumar uh, coming back to you uh, basically i know we get uh, uh, as new spe- uh, people uh, we do get uh, you know excited by developments that are more generic in nature but not really that but yes it does cause a lot of stress which is why i'm coming back to you now and that's that's an area that you understand very well so these are very post covid area uh, the post covid era has been very very stressful with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff uh, a lot of people have been working from home uh, and you <clears throat> seem to have this uh, uh, amazing uh, uh, product uh, or service what I, i whatever you want to call it uh, which is actually uh, using technology and uh, a lot of uh, counseling uh, i i believe i i, I don't un- i don't know whether it's counseling or not but basically the, the uh, brain computer interface uh, technology so before i come to the specifics uh, why don't you uh, tell our viewers what exactly are you doing in a uh, neuroleap sure um so just to uh, just to clarify we don't do any counseling or any psychotherapy um you know 
we if you go back to our early days in school when we learned physics primary physics you would remember that you know the human body works on electrical energy right and uh, the brain more so uh, there was a there was a theory propagated uh, a few decades ago uh, worldwide that uh, you know we start going uh, towards depression or anxiety only because of a chemical imbalance now that has been disproven you know it's a myth right which just propagates on and on and on so that uh, more medicines can be sold uh, but uh, think about it you know before the neurotransmitter before those supposed chemicals take over there has to be electrical transfer of energy from one end of the neuron to the other only then will you be able to make sense of anything else right so basically when before that that means basically you are telling me that munna bhai mbbs that chemical locha stuff is all bullshit absolutely <laughs> yes you require certain you know uh, chemicals to function properly but those are not the building blocks is what i'm trying to say you yeah. need all those neurotransmitters but that's not the story by itself right so you if you want to understand brain function you have to understand brain waves so basically the electrical energy right so it, it is akin to saying that listen um, you know uh, i don't need the ecg to figure out my heart because everything is about uh, you know chemistry yeah yes chemistry is important but you know what about the uh, electrical energy as well um so our human brain is about on an average 2% of our body weight right and it's about let's say about 1 and 1/2 kgs or so right but it consumes about 1/3 of our energy so it is the most expensive real estate in the planet not just in our body 2% <laughs> despite the fact that we don't use it much <laughs> <laughs> so so what we are doing is we are using a brain computer interface like you mentioned which is basically a bunch of sensors hardware software algorithms which non invasively read your brain waves now the bci space brain computer interface space is very wide you know at one end of the spectrum you've got somebody like musk who is coming up with neuralink he will have a invasive bci which will go in uh, sensors in the brain right and at the other end there's somebody like us where we are using tech which is completely non invasive so we don't even put any magnetic waves or any electric current no ultrasound x ray nothing going into the brain it's only reading data from the brain that's about it right and so then you're reading data from the brain you're not reading you do not know what's going on in the mind right yeah that's a great uh, that's a great clarification so we don't we are not dealing with the conscious mind right we are so you can, if you can explain that difference you know to our viewers because i think that comfort level because i think people cannot dissociate the fact that you are reading data from the brain you are analyzing data from the brain but you you do not know what's going on in the mind because my data is my mind my memories are so i i want that if sure. you can clarify to our users sure so you know the first difference is uh, to understand that the brain and mind are separate right the brain is hardware you know in a very crude way it's it's your uh, it's your mobile phone right the instrument itself the mind is the software in a way right in a very crude way i'd say that so the brain is just like any other organ 
right? It's got its own way of functioning and it's generating, uh, you know, electrical energy. It uses electrical energy. Every thought, every attitude, every action, every emotion is a culmination of billions and billions of neurons which are firing in a millisecond in coherence for you to be able to blink, for you to be able to move your hand, right? And, and so that you have proper hand-eye coordination, right? So all of this is happening in a fraction of a second. The mind is transient. So you might be having a certain way of thinking, a certain approach, which can all the time change because that is your consciousness, right? What we are tracking is just a subconscious activity. And the way we are doing it is we are reading the data at very high speed. And to give you an example, we are reading the data at the speed of one reading every 32 milliseconds. Okay. One millisecond is a thousandth of a second. Usually it takes about 500 milliseconds, so half a second for the brain to process external information, mm -hmm. right? So when we are doing 32 milliseconds, we are faster than an eye blink. We are faster than all of the conscious stuff coming to you. So it's really at the subconscious. It's really capturing who you are. You know, what is your base level in terms of your anxiety, your attention, your concentration, your short-term memory, your uh, ability to have strong willpower or your ability to get addicted or obsessive or compulsive about things. So there are several neural networks or neural pathways which neuroscientists over the last many decades have now researched and mapped. And they have a fairly good understanding to say that if these parts in the brain are producing this level of brain waves at these frequencies with that level of strength or power or lack of it thereof, which can usually point towards, let's say, high anxiety or let's say uh, an ability not to be able to control themselves in terms of addiction or, or low memory, um, low attention, things like that. So, so that's what are these kind of people that are coming to you and what are the kind of questions that they're asking you? Why are they coming to you? Uh, what, what do they want to, uh, I mean, do you tell them, okay, fine, it's because of the anxiety post-COVID. Are these senior executives from companies because others are kind of, we're we are talking about enterprise technology typically. So do you have uh, uh, CXOs from companies coming to you and saying, okay, fine, you know, I'm, I'm pretty stressful out here. I cannot function. My workforce is suffering or whatever. I'm just sure. hypothetical. Sure. So we have uh, two sets of clients, I would say, who come to us. One is, uh, you know, people who are just curious, right? And many of them tend to be CXOs. Um, and it's almost like a certain uh, variety, I would say, you know, these are people who are physically fit, who have already realized in the last 20, 30 years that physical fitness is important. So either they are running marathons or gymming or just doing yoga, meditation, and they're fit right? And they eat right, they go on the right diets, all of that stuff. They take care of themselves. And they want to understand what next, right? They, they are also the people who understand that the brain is the last frontier, right? If they are able to have, let's say, better sleep or better attention or, uh, or a better response to stress and anxiety, or if they can improve their decision-making process, whatever it is, uh, they can actually achieve more in life. 
So these are the people who are coming from that perspective, who don't necessarily have a disorder or a problem, who just want to come in and understand themselves. The second variety, like you mentioned, are, are people who have an issue, right? Who are, let's say, you know, facing the impact of long durations of stress or too much travel or anxiety and who are either losing sleep or losing their cool easily or are facing lack of attention or low energy, what have you. And they come in with that uh, mindset to say, okay, there is a problem. Can I scientifically deal with it, right? Because just talking to somebody is not going to help my attention improve. Just talking to somebody is not going to help me get rid of, let's say, my addiction. You know, I want to quit smoking, right? Or I want to improve my memory or enhance my decision-making. Yes, I can talk to people and get more data points and get a sounding board and help make a decision, but my decision-making ability will not change with it, right? So we have these two sort of broad sets. Most of our clients currently tend to be, you know, promoters, owners, CXOs, chairmen, you know, uh, business heads, line managers, et cetera, uh, who are sort of early adopters, um, of tech, early adopters of uh, anything new which they can use to enhance themselves or improve themselves. Yeah. Subo, as a founder, are you finding it exciting enough? Well, I'm finding it fascinating. <laughs> I'm finding it fascinating. I mean, uh, so so here is the question, right? I, I have multiple questions. One, of course, is that uh, is this some kind of uh, alternative to the classical, you know? Uh, clinical psychology interventions, you know, counseling interventions that people go through when they are in moments of stress or they go through a prolonged process or a prolonged period of stress. Uh, it could lead to, you know, like you said, sleeplessness. It could lead to smoking and alcohol and, you know, whatever that, whatever, all, all those things. So is that position, are you positioning yourself as some kind of an alternative to that? Uh, I would say yes and no. Yes, because we are able to deal with all of these issues which you mentioned and many more um, without, like I said, any meds or, you know, counseling. Mm -hmm. No, because I think counseling has its place. So, and, and, and here is an important uh, distinction. We've, you know, India has moved uh, sort of like a yo-yo. We've, we've become like a pendulum when it comes to mental health from an era where we just refuse to recognize it and even talk about it, we've come to an era now where just about everything is a mental health issue, which is Absolutely. not right. I mean, if somebody's had a bereavement or has lost their job or is in isolation because of COVID, you will have certain impact on your mood, your anxiety, etc. Is that a mental health issue? Certainly not, right? It is circumstantial. It is environmental. It is contextual. So, uh, unless it could lead, it could lead to a mental health issue. It could lead to a mental health issue if not taken care of, right? So, for example, if somebody was to say that, oh, you know, uh, I have a sleep disorder, but if you understand the context that this person is, uh, you know, staying up and watching movies on OTT, binge watching every day, then perhaps it's not a sleep disorder. Absolutely. It's a it's an OCD which needs to be corrected so that, you know, he has time to sleep, right? So that's my uh, sort of qualifier there to say that what is mental health, what requires some amount of counseling and what can be done with counseling, what cannot be achieved with counseling. 
No, you're right, Kumar, because, you know, many a times I find that, you know, like you said, I, I like the description yo-yo because there was a point in time when we never recognized that there is something called mental health issue. Sure. Now, at least in urban uh, India, we seem to have swung completely the other way. You know, if I, you know, if I uh, have, a, you know, a road rage, if I get into a fight on the road, then the next thing I'm told is that maybe you should go and talk to a counselor. <laughs> no, that guy was cutting in front of me. Yes. You know? I would have just dabbed him, even otherwise. You know? <laughs> so I think, and, and, and I think what is also getting a little uh, concerning is that we are passing on the same uh, you know, uh, messages to our children. So now, when a child does badly at exams, he comes home and before you can say anything, he says, I'm under stress. <laughs> no, no, you haven't studied. That's why you've done bad in the exam. That's right? why you are under stress. <laughs> right? And then, you know, the whole the conversation you know, goes around saying that, you know, he's under stress. You know, you've got, to be de- you've got to deal with him very carefully. Yes, I have to deal with him carefully, but I also have to tell him that, dude, you've got to sit and study. And there are no compromises there. I can't, I can't tell him in a nice way. I've got to tell him in the way it has to be told. So I think somewhere we need to achieve the balance. The other question I had, Kumar, is that... Uh, Can I interject there for, for a minute? Yeah. You know, yeah. On this example you gave, um, you know, if the child is unable to study, means he yeah. wants to study, he wants to put in eight hours and you know, study that day, but he's not able to pay attention, then we can help. That is a, yeah. then we can say that, okay, there is probably... A dysregulation in our parlance, a dysregulation in the attention network in the brain, right? Uh, we will never say this is ADHD. We don't use those, you know, uh, labels, uh, which will make the matters worse, right? Uh, we don't want to label somebody saying you have attention deficit. We, we are very uh, matter of fact saying, look, we've done the assessment. The attention network is a little dysregulated. So just as somebody goes and says, oh, you know, I've got low hemoglobin. Nothing to be stigmatized about that. You know, you increase your hemoglobin. You know, have, have the right kind of foods and exercise and your hemoglobin will go up. So similarly with us, we say your attention network is dysregulated and we can help you correct it. But in the same example you mentioned, if it is not about the inability to pay attention, it is just, you know, uh, being truant, right? Uh, where you don't have the right incentives or the disincentives in place to study or not to study, then you... You know, like you said, you'll have to have that uh, difficult conversation or some difficult actions will have to be taken. <laughs> difficult for the child, not for me. Yeah, they could. Yeah. So what has happened and, is and that now that, they made it difficult for me. Yeah. Right. And you came up with another the, the good example. That I, had, I mean, on, on the, uh, crashing into the road. No, I mean, uh, I, I yeah. remember Subhu uh, talking about that person, you know, crashing into a, uh, another vehicle or something and you getting angry about it and that person saying that you, you need to see a psychiatrist or not. No, absolutely not. I, I, I do believe that there's something called righteous anger. Exactly. You know, justified anger. So that, that's, that's pretty stupid to put everything on uh, mental no, health. No, my answer to him was that, you know, I might have to see a psychiatrist, but yeah. you have to see the red light. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, so uh, you've got a physical problem. I mean. so, you know, even there, there are gradients, right? I mean, depends on how much, you know, for road rage and all that. Kind how often yeah, that yeah. happen with you, etc. Yeah. I'm, reducing, I'm reducing everything to a very, very simple, you know, yeah. basic level of 
So one of the one of the problems that we've always had when we talk about brain and you know uh, you know uh, interventions in brain and you know all of that and and I quite like the way you describe the brain as a hardware and the mind as a software is that there are always these ethical dilemmas that one gets into. How much of my mind should you be allowed to read? How much of my brain should you be allowed to access? Point number one. Point number two. What happens to the data? Sure. See, the whole the whole issue that we are discussing about all of these, uh, you know, yeah, the uh, privacy and uh, the privacy and all that, and WhatsApp and all that, is essentially what to do with what happens to my data. What happens to you know the fact that you know my my brain you've read and you suddenly figured that okay I've got this uh, you know. Uh, brain like Einstein's. Now, are you going to go and sell that to, you know, maybe uh, one of these software companies? Okay. Now, that is a ethical line that always is bothersome. Sure. So let me answer uh, both of those. So, so first is we are not reading your mind. So uh, like I said at the outset, so we, we don't know what you're thinking about. We don't know what your memories are. We don't know your passwords. We don't know your secrets. Right. I mean, I wish I had that tech, you know, because you know, hey, hey, of, don't say that. <laughs> some, of the top, some of the top names that come to us, I, I would love to know what they're thinking about, right? Or I would love to know, uh, you know, what their, uh, you know, passwords are. But no, we don't have that ability. So that's one. The second part is when we read your brainwave data, it's like any other biological data, right? So just as you have, uh, you know, information about somebody's heart, right? Or, uh, you know, blood work. Similarly, we have data from your brain. We store it completely anonymized, right? Mm -hmm. So even when we are creating a report where we are cross-referencing all of that data, against the global database, it is all anonymized. So every use that we have for it is completely binary it's depersonalized so it'll say so let's say you know if we do your assessment and you know read your brain waves so we will only be codifying it saying male left or right-handed whatever you are your date of birth so your age that's it we are not concerned that who is subu right we are not concerned about that we are only concerned in the data as it is. So Kumar, that 25 page report that you come up with, right? It's a 25 page report. So what exactly do uh, I as a client uh, get to know uh, about myself or, and how does it improve my own efficacy as a human being after the uh, test is uh, sure. completed? First of all, uh, what it does is it gives you as an individual and more importantly, your family or whoever's alongside with you, a real good understanding of why you are the way you are to a large extent. So, you know, uh, very easily, especially in India, we've got into this habit of labeling people saying, oh, this guy is short tempered, or oh, he's a, you know, obsessive person, right? We've labeled that person and you start believing those labels and behaving accordingly. You say, oh, you know, I have a temper problem. No, you don't have a temper problem, right? You are open to short-tempered bursts, outbursts, because a certain network or a group of networks in your brain 
have been conditioned like this over the years right so it's all a matter of conditioning so your environment the people you've been associating with the experiences you had they condition your brain over a period of time once we are able to see that live in our assessment we're actually able to show you on a data chart on in fact several charts saying okay this is your mood network and it is dysregulated means it is so many let's say standard deviations away from the norm and which is why you're behaving you know as an outlier right so so what's the norm that you're looking at so there are global databases now in fact us fda registered right where the us fda has approved saying that okay this is a bunch of research and data sets on thousands and thousands of individuals across the world you know multi ethnic multi race multi background you know gender neutral across ages which is looking at what is the normal range for certain brain wave patterns right so just as today if you go out and get a you know blood test and you've seen your hemoglobin at is within a certain range that range has been set over the years with some studies to say that this is what it is for an average male you know adult right or for females it's different even within that once you go to a professional and you might say that okay my my hemoglobin is at the borderline but if your hemoglobin has always been at the borderline then there's no cause to worry because you know that's how you are right and which is why there's a range Right. So do we understand these as you know uh, lab tests that can then be taken to a professional doctor and then acted upon? Are these? Uh, is there any similarity where I'm saying okay, fine, these are my data points. I can go then to a psychiatrist and then check. No, no. Then, uh, two reasons. One, um, we are not a medical diagnostic, and this is something we very clearly mention because you know the field of. Um, no no i i didn't say medical that i said is this a kind of a lab report that i have that i can then take to a professional because you are you said that you are not a counselor yeah that, that so you don't you, offer counseling services but somebody wants to act upon it how yeah. does he improve his life from there so, so we do the we do the enhancement as well you got That's to what I want to understand. right so uh, currently um, at least in india uh, the medical fraternity doesn't understand this right this is not something taught in med school uh they don't teach you to understand uh brain waves to the perspective and to the level that we do right so this is more an applied neuroscience domain um which has uh, sort of propagated largely in the us some parts in europe in the last 60 70 years um i doubt this will find its way into med school or mainstream medicine because a it doesn't involve medicine b it doesn't involve surgery so it doesn't fit into their commercial paradigm to be honest mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. there is no way to sort of monetize right let's There's no honest. way to monetize it yeah no way to monetize it on an ongoing basis i mean if you enter a hospital either you need to constantly be on meds you know supplied by them or you need to give them a big chunk of money you know uh, because you need to get surgery <laughs> done if there's anything else then that's you know as we know it's all called alternative <laughs> so we But are i all I always had a sneaking suspicion that at least in India, the med students who are you know who, are, who normally take biology are extremely weak in physics. Now you've just proved it. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, but but that said, in all fairness, but Kumar, you also charge your pay. It's not that you offer any free service. No, no, right? absolutely. We, so we, how much do you charge? It's what twenty-five grand or something? 
Yeah, so it's uh, 25,000 for the assessment for the report, which is from the US and for a very in-depth consultation to help you understand yourself better. And believe you me, uh, in the last four, four and a half years, everyone who's done the assessment, 99.9%, .9 I would say, they've come back and said that, you know, I, you know, I never really thought that I could put some evidence-based method to understanding why I am the way I am, right? And for me to then figure out how I can improve. Any discounts for the media and politicians? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, for the politicians, none, right? Okay. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we need to, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, we have enough are, money. That, you know, we are taken care no. of. But on the, on the other hand, Kumar, I would, I would urge you to give it to politicians free of cost. Because you, know, you, you need to understand why they do what they do. <laughs> you know, for me, that's very critical. Uh, the one, one thing that I had is that, so this is, this is uh, if I'm an entrepreneur and I want, I've got, a, I've got, I've got Leslie. Okay? I want Leslie to be examined. Leslie's brain to be understood, right? Now, is that... Possible or Leslie has to ask for it himself. I mean, so will I get my employees data or is there data privacy to the extent that it doesn't go to anybody else except the person concerned? Absolutely. You're right. So uh, we've had uh, corporations who've got, let's say, their senior leadership, right? But it's all got to be a voluntary. So people have to be agreeing to do it. Uh, which honestly, most people do. I haven't, I haven't had instances where people are saying, no, I don't want to have my brain read. Um, and the second part is uh, all the uh, discussion, the analysis, the consultation is only with the client, right? So we will never tell a superior or a colleague, or in fact, um, even, a, even a family member, unless it's important, right? So we've had, we've had several instances now where uh, you know, either the husband or the wife becomes a client and they find tremendous impact, not just on the assessment, but on the enhancement part as well. And then they'll bring in the spouse. But we maintain complete confidentiality and privacy even between those two. How do you so what is the difference it? between this? Uh, you know, for example, there is this big uh, talk. There was a Supreme Court discussion that happened uh, for especially uh, in, in uh, offenses where they said, let's do a brain mapping of this guy. And then the brain mapping became a big issue. And finally, Supreme Court gave an order saying that, yes, you can do it. And now you can do it only after the courts allow. So what is the difference between what you do and what is brain mapping? So, you know, um, brain mapping is a very uh, easily abused word. I've had, I've had uh, people say, oh, you know, I take a piece of paper and I draw different streams and then I'm able to map my brain. You know, that's, that's not a brain map. I've had people come in and say, you know, uh, we went for a service where all our fingerprints were taken. And then we were told that, uh, you know, this is for my child. And I was told uh, that what my child can be good at and what he won't be good at. That is ridiculous because your brain actually is changing throughout life. So to say that, okay, at the age of 12 or 15 or 18 or even 50, you would know exactly, you know, what vocation you can do and what you can't do is completely wrong. Sure. You know, disproven. 
So I'm not sure what brain mapping exactly technically they were talking about. That's one. And perhaps it is invasive also, if I'm not mistaken. It is invasive, yes. Yeah. So this is non-invasive. I, I think Kumar clarified that it's not. Let me even clarify that we are non-invasive to the point that it's uh, not even as uh, you know bad as an MRI, right? Where you've got magnetic waves shooting through your soft brain tissue. We are not even doing that. We're just reading the electrical energy by placing sensors on your scalp. You have any video that you can show us or something that you can well, share? I will, I will share it. Um, just completing this point, the one big uh, unique feature in what we do is if you are, let's say, a CEO or a CXO and you want to be able to have your employees, let's say, mental fitness or brain mapped, if you go to a, a, a traditional setup, the only way to do it is to respond to questions. Right. Either verbally or on a computer screen, which means you have to actually tell them about your problems. You have to verbalize it, saying that, oh, I have anxiety because of the fear of losing my job or some other personal issue, or I have, you know, a drinking problem, or I, you know, I have addiction, or whatever else it could be, right? In our case, we ask you zero questions, nothing. There is no questions to be answered on screen. There is no questions to be answered on person. We don't want to know your problems. We don't want to know why you have anxiety. We don't want to know whether you are addicted to liquor or not. We will only ask you your date of birth, your gender, and whether you're left or right-handed. That's it, nothing else. Everything else your brain will tell us. Like I said, we don't want to know your state of mind per se, what you're consciously worried about. All we are concerned is whether your brain wave, uh, you know, neural pathways are showing that you're unable to manage anxiety easily. If that is the case, we will help you manage it so that, mm. you know, whatever that cause of anxiety, even if it doesn't go away, you are able to be less anxious. You're able to take it in your stride. But then we are assuming that that anxiety is persistent, right? Because it could be that, okay, anxiety sometimes is very temporary. Anxiety could be caused by a particular right. instance. So how, how do you learn to differentiate between those things? So if we are able to see it in the subconscious brainwave activity, means it is not just circumstantial anymore. Either because of the way you are, you know, or because of the conditioning you had over you know, several months, several years, you know, your experiences of life, etc. you become an anxious person, right? So your anxiety network is dysregulated. It's performing way out of whack and we can get it back to normal. So isolated incidents, isolated incidents don't uh, cause any, uh, they, they don't uh, really matter that so much. It can. I, isolated it incidents can cause a lot of uh, anxiety. So that is where you they can even gray your head. In the law of thoughts, in fact, uh, uh, there is actually an, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually yep. a case in the law of thoughts, which uh, it, 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 where the uh, hair grade overnight. Basically, yes, yes. And you got damages for that. So isolated incidents could be traumatic, right? And you could have post-traumatic stress disorder, for example. Right? Yeah, a riot or something or an earthquake yeah. or whatever. Or, or, or like I said, you know, it could be a sudden shock, right? Absolutely. And uh, that is trauma. And that can actually rewire your brain, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so which is why if you remember, uh, you know, our parents would say that, oh, you know, as a child, they would shield you away from seeing certain things. 
or hearing certain things. Why? Because they don't want you to be traumatized with it. And the younger brain is far more easy to alter. So mm -hmm. at that age, if you get traumatized, then your conditioning, your wiring can all go haywire. Uh, you wanted to share some video, I think, sir. Sure, sure. So will you allow me to sort of share my screen? It says that, you know, as uh, a part Yes, so, so good. Because this probably will give the viewers a, a better idea of uh, what exactly. So basically, uh, we put in lots of sensors on your scalp, right? They don't, they don't poke your skin. They don't abrase it. They don't pass anything in. You just sit comfortably on a chair for about 30, 40 minutes with your eyes closed. Just relax. There is no stimuli given to you. And this is, this is just the data that we are getting, literally. Right? What is this? EEG or something? Yeah, it, it is a, a quantitative electroencephalograph, right? So it is a, a version of an EEG, but very in-depth, very high speed. Um, if you look at this vertical line here, where my pointer is, yeah. from mm -hmm. here to just this line, this is just one second of data. Okay. Wow. Right? So in about half an hour, we can uh, take about, depending on what we want to do, between half a million to a million data points in 30 minutes, right? And, and that gives us a chunk of information. So we are actually seeing the different frequencies here on the right side, we are able to see, you know, alpha waves, theta, delta. So frequency by frequency, second by second, it keeps changing. And, you know, this is just a very simplistic sort of screen we've got we can go as in depth and sort of get uh, rendered images uh, in 3D of what's going on in your brain. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. You know, there's, there's no other, you know, data that we are capturing. So, uh, so good to your point, you know, there's no, there's no mind that we are, you know, <laughs> you know if you look at, you know, you can't say that, you know, uh, you're being mischievous or you're, you know, being serious or whatever. <laughs> now, I'm just worried about your classification because you said that, you know, you have male right-handed. So once you do mine, it will be male right-handed embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you could perhaps stop sharing the screen, I think. Yeah. You might end up sharing something yeah. sensitive else. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And then what do you do with all the data? Do you store it and you archive it or you delete it or what do you do? With it? No, so we need, um, you know, uh, if the client is only doing the assessment, then once the assessment is done, uh, or actually as soon as the assessment is done, the data is anonymized immediately, right? You store it in a data center, you, you, you would be owning data centers at this rate. No, no, not data centers. It's, it's all in a secure sort of uh, cloud, that's it. I said the kind of information that you're storing, you're saying the amount of terabytes that you're going to, petabytes or terabytes, whatever you're doing, when you require data center at this rate very soon. Yeah, so, so currently it's in uh, terabytes only. We haven't uh, moved beyond terabytes, uh, but lots yeah. of... Not, not your zotabytes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Super, any uh, questions before we wind up? I think we're running out of time. Yeah. No. No. So I, th I think I think it's it's a it's a fascinating area. The only like like I think Kumar said that, you know, for it to gain wider acceptance, 
you know i think i think somewhere down the line we need to understand the fact that people behave differently uh because they could be wired differently and we once we understand you know why they're doing it it kind of gives them i, I think it's a great uh, tool for uh, businesses you know i think it's a great tool for businesses i think the only thing that we need to understand is that uh if i don't know if i only know why this guy is behaving like that but i don't know how to change it then uh, you know i'm still in the same place so i just right. need to get over that hump so to speak so this is like so, uh some of this is lifestyle related right yeah. so like the example on sleep or you know anxiety and it is a known fact now that if you go to bed on time you wake up on time you exercise regularly you eat well eat the right things make sure your gut health is good because there is a strong gut brain connection so you just live the way that you know our parents used to tell us to right just have a decent lifestyle a lot of your mental health issues can go away right i i, I might face a lot of brickbats because of this because the average counselor or you know people with lived experience will come in and say oh you know you're belittling us no that's not the point you can have some uh, alleviation in symptoms if you change your lifestyle for the ones who are not able to improve even after lifestyle improvement and correction over a sustained period of time we can come in and actually use our brain computer interface to actually change or allow you to regulate your brain waves and we've done that for you know thousands of people now in the last 4 5 years where we've been able to help people quit smoking or get over the anger issue or anxiety issue or sleep disorders or even depression or bipolar disorder or or children who have attention deficit or learning disabilities for executives you know one of the things which we have been communicating a lot about is how your brain your brain state or your wiring affects your decision making right so over a period of time if you become a fearful person or an anxious person or somebody whose anxiety levels are very high or is unable to manage high anxiety your decision making will take a certain pattern right yep. um why is it that whenever the stock markets for example an easy analogy whenever the stock markets are really you know going in one direction whatever that may be we will say oh it's operating on greed or it's operating on fear means we are not being rational right which means our decision making is based on emotions emotion of greed which in my uh, parlance would be obsession or compulsiveness so we can actually look at that network right we can actually look at that and i'm i'm happy to uh, you know show you a sample on my screen but i can actually say that okay what is happening in the addiction network or if you're talking about fear i can actually see what is happening in your anxiety network right so if i'm able to retrain your brain you know with our tech without any counseling so that your anxiety network is behaving far more closer to normal right and you will get anxious so we will not make you sterile that you know you become stone cold and you will never get anxious right you will get anxious but the benchmark will be much higher right much higher yeah got it yeah, absolutely the slight uh, temporary anxiety 
more because of the timing of the show <laughs> so uh, yeah so uh, i mean i would have loved to continue this uh, conversation because the brain is such yeah, a fascinating is, like i said it's a fascinating topic it's a fascinating subject and uh, probably will take it uh, offline with you uh, uh, sometime because it's like the brain follows the iceberg principle we know only this much True. there's so much more to be known about the brain right. but yeah. uh, uh, dear viewers uh, if you do get a brain wave next time around remember it may not just be about an idea it may also be about just saying hello to kumar and finding out what the brain waves are actually all about <laughs> so uh, hopefully uh, uh, and we have, we wish you kumar that you will be able to you know going forward you'll be able to come up with a lot more and uh you know uh, in depth analysis as to and, and probably help people uh, you know uh, like uh, face the anxiety and probably enhance the ability of the brain let's see how it goes and uh, uh, wish you uh, all the best and thank you very much for your time uh, on the show and uh, thank you kumar thanks a lot it's really really fascinating thank you thank you, thank thank you. you.